Hello, this is Abby. Dear Abby, this is gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Dear Abby, how do you tell the difference between a new exciting crush and a rebound? Does it matter? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Welcome to our little corner of the internet. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I hope you stay and hang out with us. See you in a sec. Okay. Hi. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome back to my podcast. This is the Dear Abby podcast, and I am indeed Abby. For those that are new, welcome, welcome. I'm very excited to have you listening today. I hope that you at least stay most of the time, and maybe if you like it, all of the episode, or maybe... You've already turned it off because maybe you're annoyed at the way I said that. Who knows? I'm totally fine with it all. I'm not offended by any of it. But welcome back. I hope it's going to be a lovely Thursday or it has been already. And I hope you have fun plans for the weekend. So before I say it at the end, I'm going to say it now. It's almost Friday. It's almost the end of the week. You can do this. Get to the get to the weekend or maybe you work on the weekends if, if that's the case. You know... It still has weekend vibes. You know what I mean? It could still be weekend vibes. One of my favorite things to do on the weekends is just go. It sounds weird because usually I don't like to work on the weekends, like on Saturday, but I actually love working Saturdays. I I think it's because I don't have to work. I feel like I actually get a ton done for my job and for the podcast and just in general. So I love Fridays for work, which is weird, but it's it's because I'll go to a nice little coffee shop, maybe get some matcha or some chai or something. Yeah, it's a vibe and I love it. So the really for me, it's so weird because when I was first starting my recovery journey, it was so much like so much self-work, like too many books, too much, like too many different perspectives, too many voices, too much, too much. It was too much. I got so overwhelmed because I felt like I was failing in all areas that it just made me worse and it made me obsess more over OCD recovery. And now that I'm in a better place, I genuinely feel like I've, for the most part, have recovered to the place where I can genuinely enjoy life again. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm crying, but well, I do because it's been a horrible journey, but also the most rewarding thing. that's what I'm going to get into today. So before I keep going back and forth, that's the topic is I I wanted to talk about my OCD recovery journey mostly and share just some things that I've just done recently that I feel like really, really, really have helped with my overall life enjoyment. So yeah, we're going to get into that. But going back when I first started, it was like, I couldn't enjoy anything. I didn't let myself enjoy anything. Uh, because it all had to be self-work like I would trigger myself to the point where it was like everything I was doing had to be making me feel horrible or I was doing bad in recovery it got it got pretty bad it got pretty intense to where 24 7 I was almost thinking of the thoughts on purpose which can be an exposure but it was to the point where I was like every second of the day I was just reinforcing that it was super important I, I don't know but on a lot of things that I read, it was like it had to get so deep, like everything had to be so deep, which I love going deep with people. I, that's, I love doing that. I love talking about anything and everything going deep. I also now 
like being kind of surface level, I guess. But before this is a long rant to just say I used to not let myself enjoy going to coffee shops because I thought it was so um, superficial. Like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to just enjoy going to a coffee shop again? Like people have nothing to worry about, apparently. And now it's just changed to where I don't know, man, I've just had so many life perspective shifts recently and I'm so much happier because of it. And it was hard work and it's been a process. That's what it's been for me is just a process of healing, loving myself, changing patterns, changing perspectives, letting go, detaching, so many different things. And now I'm at the point, finally, I've seen this all over TikTok too. I think it's just maybe because I've talked about it. So TikTok was listening and they now send me that in my algorithm, how people are like self-help people are just lying to you. You know, the best thing to do is just to not worry about it and to just keep living your life, find the enjoyment in things, which I agree. But I also think when someone has gone through something very hard and difficult or traumatic where their brain is literally not the same and they actually can't enjoy anything because I've been now on both ends. So I have so much empathy and understanding for people who are like me and were like me in the depths of my OCD and depression and, you know, self-sabotage, self-harm, that loop. It's like, I genuinely thought that was the only way to live. I thought I was actually doing good by not letting myself enjoy anything simple because I thought it meant that I was deeper than everyone else. I thought it meant that everyone else was, no one understood me. You know, I'm the only one that feels this way, blah, blah, blah. But now I love going to coffee shops and doing the normal day-to-day things. And it's not that deep anymore. But also if I need to or if I want to, if I'm trying to connect with someone, be there for someone, understand someone, I can go to that same place that's just as deep. And I remember my pain and I remember all of that stuff, but it doesn't keep me stuck. I don't feel stuck in it. It doesn't feel like I'm tied to it. I feel like, which we'll get into that a little bit later is the slowly letting go of your pain and fears attached to that before we jump in I've already kind of jumped in sorry there was not a lot of sweet uh I didn't whisper a lot of sweet little nothings into your at the beginning of this episode but let's go into some life updates I guess really quick let me know if you guys don't even like life updates I don't even have to say these I don't even I, I don't care either way Maybe you want to know me a little bit more. Maybe you literally couldn't care less. And either way, I'm fine with. So just let me know, I guess. It's getting closer to summer. So I'm trying to get my uh, head in the space of swimming, ocean, warm, sun, all that stuff. But it's been gloomy. So it's hard to do that. But that's okay. I have been eating watermelon lately, which genuinely the taste of watermelon is A, the yummiest taste in the world if it's a good watermelon. Two, just makes me think of being a little kid swimming in our pool. We weren't rich, okay? Everyone shut up, but we did have a pool because it was Arizona and everyone has a pool pretty much. But being in our little pool, all of our siblings in swimsuits, sunscreen, the smell of sunscreen, chlorine, swimming in the pool. Our mom cuts us watermelon. We get out, we eat the watermelon, we get watermelon all over our faces. Then you jump back in the water, clean yourself off. Then she brings otter pops later, sandwiches. If that wasn't your experience as a kid, then you can join my little world in my head and, you know, picture the smell of the sunscreen. That's just what I think of when I think of summer. I have a great family, great mom, 
great siblings, had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun in the summers. I used to be a lifeguard and taught swim lessons to little kids and was like a life, or not a life coach, goodbye, a swim coach too over the summers. So I'm a big swimmer gal. I love the water. I want to start swimming again somewhere, but I can't really afford gym memberships currently. Gym memberships or uh, apartment gyms it is, you know? My brother also comes home from his church mission in a week from today. Well, I guess almost in two, in like two-ish weeks. So I'm super excited. I haven't seen, I feel like, I feel like he's been gone for three years. He's only been gone for two years, but because he came home and tore his, like tore his ACL or something. So he had to like do rehab before he went back out. And anyways, just a long process for the poor kid, but just a long process. But I miss him. He's younger than me by like three and a half years, almost four years. And love that kid. He's so fun. He's so funny. So I'm excited to see him again. I also have been really into, I'm not going to talk about politics, but really into not even politics, just life happenings or happenings around the world and the country, our economy, you know, everyone's probably rolling their eyes, but I also think, I hate to say it, but when whatever country you live in, especially in America, because I'm American, that's really all I know. I do think it's a little bit important to do some, some studying up on what's going on in this world. I don't know, find out what you value, what you believe in and do what you can with the communities that are around you to push what values you believe in and you know what policies that you want to push for and vote for and all of these things so that's been a new journey in my life I just feel more um I guess patriotic than I ever have maybe that just happens with age and you realize how grateful you are to be in a country that gives you so many opportunities to be in a country like America and you know, I believe that other countries are awesome, but might as well just be grateful for the country that you're in and all the good and bad history. It's everywhere. Yeah, I've just been really into that, which is weird. So not into it enough to where I'd want to talk about it at family dinners per se or Thanksgiving dinners, but enough to just, you know, go on my phone, research some things, learn about some things and then think about it, meditate on it and then do if I can do anything, great. If I can't, great. I move on. I really don't have that many life updates, to be honest. It's been pretty boring. I don't mind boring. I kind of like boring. I like just playing video games and working hard and working out. Well, I have been trying to get more into working out. It's just, it's hard. I don't know why, but it's just weirdly triggering. I've been trying to work out more, not necessarily for any kind of body for my body to necessarily look a different way. I mean, I would love if my arms got toned. That would be awesome. It's more so so my back feels stronger because I'm sitting in a chair all day and I want to feel strong in my back. I don't know. Just feel like when I run up the stairs, I'm not out of breath. I just want to feel healthy. Okay, enough of that shiz. My, I just wanted to, so today, again, I just wanted to share kind of my where I'm at with my OCD recovery that's something that is very important to me. And because of how hard it was and is and how much it affected my life and my mental health and my overall self-worth, uh, it's really important now for me to share it 
and just bring awareness to people that maybe they know a loved one or maybe it's them themselves that they didn't know that it maybe could be OCD or something because they don't have to live the way that I was living for a long time. And just knowing that there's a different option of a way to live is very liberating. So I'm kind of going back into the archives of just in general, I think where OCD affected my life. I think I've had it ever since I was a little kid. There's little things like, um, I shared this on a podcast I was on a while ago, but this is one of the things that come to my head is I would I had a bunch of stuffed animals as a like a little girl. I would take, these are just weird things. I mean, this is normal. Probably all kids have done stuff like this, but it felt very scary for me. Like it felt very real and very like, it was giving me really bad anxiety as a little girl. I had a bunch of stuffed animals in my closet and I had to put them a certain way and I had to sleep with them in order because I was scared that if I, if the other ones saw me sleeping with this stuffed animal, they would get mad and hurt me, which is so such a weird thought. I mean, I remember having other things like that that were weird, but the like, what if you hurt this thing's feelings and then it hurts you? Weird things like that would always come up for me that I thought was maybe just anxiety looking back before I was diagnosed with OCD. But I think now having been diagnosed, going through treatment, when I look back at certain things, it was like such a big deal in my head. And I'm like, that was probably more of an OCD type of brain thing. And so even since I've been a little kid, I've always been doing, you know, little compulsions here and there, but it was never really, I still had fun. I still had a good childhood. I had fun in high school, junior high, all of that stuff. But at the same time, like 90% of the time though, honestly, I just remember feeling really anxious and very much uh, mental rumination, mental compulsions, reassurance seeking, all of that fun stuff, but it never got to the point where it was all consuming and I got as depressed and self-loathing, uh, I guess, per se. Growing up in a church where you're taught, you know, that you're always loved no matter what. I think my parents did a great job of teaching me that of, you know, no matter what you do, we love you. God loves you. I think that helped me kind of keep a little bit of self-worth because as a kid, you're just more innocent in that way, I think, where you don't think as intricately, I guess, per se, or as deeply, but it's more feelings and kind of more shallow ways of thinking, which are beautiful in their own way, obviously. I think as I got older and older and I heard other people's opinions of me, oh, you're so weak and sensitive and little anxiety girl and all that kind of stuff, it kind of fed into this belief that I've kind of feel like I've broken now to where my sensitivity, my anxiety was like intermingled. Like I had to be so OCD and anxious in order to be sensitive and to be kind and compassionate. That's one thing that I've been able to slowly kind of shift my perspective on. I don't have to be, I don't have to do compulsive behaviors like mental ruminations, reassurance saying, you know, fighting in my fighting every single thought that comes into my head. I don't have to do that in order to be a kind person. Like that is a very irrational way of thinking, but that's what I thought because that was, and still is a very important thing to me. But it's important in a different way now because with OCD, I felt like I had to be kind. I had to be all of these things. And it was more out of fear than out of um, conviction or love or trust. It was just out of fear. 
And that's been a massive shift is now doing things out of trust and belief and love and mostly trust, to be honest, has just been a massive one for me. Yeah, that kind of perspective shift really helped. Again, going back in junior high and high school, I'd always, you know, dig my nails into my hands or in my arm when I had intrusive thoughts. I'd snap. um, I'd like pinch myself. um, So I could just focus on the pain rather than the mental sensations of triggering thoughts, intrusive images, all that stuff. So as a little kid in like church or something or anywhere that felt um, I shouldn't be thinking this, I shouldn't have these thoughts, I would have a lot of intrusive thoughts and it's carried on till now when I'm older. Um, I would have sexual thoughts or just weird images in my head, blasphemous images, thoughts when I was at church. And it was especially triggering there because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have these thoughts here of all places. Like, I don't want them at home either, but definitely not at church. That must mean something. Instead of just kind of being like, yeah, whatever, I'm probably fine. It was like I had to figure it out. I had to come down to like, am I a good person or am I a bad person? I need to figure this out right now. Because if I'm a bad person, I should probably leave. It was just very irrational. The reason I bring that up is because I kind of want to talk about certain experiences and where I'm at with it now, just so hopefully it gives hope to people. And again, this has really only been the past two years I've really suffered with chronic OCD, where it's like 24-7 thoughts, images, sensations, all that, all the stuff. But my whole life, it's been kind of smaller doses of OCD, I think, rather than intense 24-7 chronic it was just smaller random themes would pop up and I'd be able to um, squash it until the next thing would pop up type of uh, experience with OCD when I was younger so at the beginning of you know chronic OCD when it was first getting really bad I couldn't really even go to church or I'd go to church and I would sit in the you know in the back corner or I'd sit outside and I would just try to be there and I would walk in and immediately feel sick to my stomach so stressed all of these racing thoughts, it got to the point where I thought I had to leave my church. I thought I had to like lose my faith. I thought that I had to do all of these things because I didn't, because I had doubts and I had questions and I couldn't answer every question that OCD was asking me. So I was like, so you shouldn't stay here if you don't know all the answers to this. I'm like, well, then what is any human supposed to do? That was my experience. But now my experience is I go to church. I'm a little bit anxious before, but I don't, th- I don't let myself ruminate. Instead, I just say, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, cool. I'm not attached to if I feel anxious or not. I'm not attached to the idea of I will always feel anxious or I will never feel anxious again. It's like whatever happens will happen. I'll go to church. I'll be a little bit stressed out. The first like 20 minutes, I feel like I have an existential crisis. But I just am like, okay, I have to, instead of trying to figure out my emotions or figure out my anxiety, instead, I'm just like, I feel anxious and I feel like I don't want to be here right now but my values and what I actually know I believe in and what I want to believe in what I want to trust in is you know a relationship with God with Jesus and so I focus on that and it doesn't make me feel better it doesn't make me feel like everything's okay I don't get any answers I don't get to the bottom of anything And eventually the anxiety just subsides and the thoughts kind of start to get quieter and slower and quieter and the images aren't as vivid and they kind of start to fade. And by the end of the first hour, I usually stay the two hours. I'm pretty 
calm to where I can actually enjoy and learn in the second hour and participate in the class. I used to not be able to go to the second hour. I used to not be able to participate in the class. So that's where I'm at. I actually enjoy going to church now again, which I'm not kidding. I never thought I would enjoy going to church again. I thought it was just hopeless for me. That's where I'm at with there. So if you have, even if it's not religious, if it's anything that feels like that's like your main fear or your main theme or something where like, I will never be able to do this again, even though it's something that was and is important to you. You can get to a place where you can enjoy it again, I promise you, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of trust and a lot of perspective shifts. You can't, you will not be the same person as you were before. And that's, that scared the shiz out of me at first. I'm like, oh, that means I'm a bad person because it's like, you're not going to be the same person while simultaneously having horrible thoughts all the time. And you're like, oh my gosh, having all these thoughts that don't align with, you know, who you want to be. And you're like, okay, great. So this will have to be who I have to become now. That's kind of my religious experience with OCD. I got really obsessed with spirituality, you know, feeling close to God, feeling the spirit that became like a massive obsession. So many weird thoughts that had to do with my spirituality, you know, which part of me is my spirit, which part of me is my brain, which it's like all these weird things. Even saying that I get a little bit triggered, but I get a little bit anxious and I can feel that part of my brain wanting me to solve it even now. But I'm just going to be like, I don't know. And if I start to try to figure it out, I will just go down a rabbit hole that I will never figure out. I will never get to the bottom of. I'm not even going to try. That doesn't make me irresponsible, I don't think. Maybe it does. I don't believe that makes me irresponsible. I think that just means that I'm trying my best. When it comes to daily experiences with OCD, my experience used to be 24-7. And I'm not kidding when I say 24-7. I mean every second of every day and night. I could barely sleep the moment I would open my eyes. Intrusive thoughts. The moment I'd go to bed. Intrusive thoughts until I'd fall asleep. And then when I was, oh, that's the other thing. When I had, when I was asleep even, for months and months and months and almost like a year long. Sometimes I still have weird dreams, but I don't ruminate about them afterwards. I would literally have dreams that were close to the theme of my OCD, religious, harm, all of that stuff. I would be very distressed from it. And they were such vivid dreams. And yeah, so it was literally like when I was awake and when I was asleep, I was being tormented. (laughs) Woo! That's when I would have breakdowns. I'm not kidding. Every single day, like five, six times being like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to be here. I'm not doing this. I can't do this. I can't handle this. I'm not doing this. But now, because I practice a couple things, one, I don't let myself say can't anymore or I can't do this. I can't tolerate it. This is too hard. It's too much. Instead, I've shifted it to where I'm saying, you know, this is really hard, but I can handle it. This is going to be really scary for me, but I love myself and I'm just trying something new. I can handle it. I can like I can do it. I can do this. And it just changes. It feels like it opens up my heart and I'm able to actually push forward. So that's a little bit different. And now I wouldn't say that I have no intrusive thoughts. I definitely have intrusive thoughts a lot of the day. I still have random, um, I guess I would say episodes. Mm, Well, randomly my OCD will just get really triggered if I watch a show um, that's like aggressive or psychologically weird or something. Uh, I'll get really triggered and 
I might, I can feel my OCD. It's like this mental craziness. I can feel it. And I'm like, okay, I have two options because you always have a choice. I can A, click on the thoughts and decide I'm going to try to get to the bottom of this, which you mm, probably never will. And even if you solve one thing, there's going to be another thing. I get a feeling of like, you have to get to, this is a theme. You have to get to the bottom of it. And now I'm just choosing, I never want to get to the bottom of it. I don't care. I'm not going to get to the bottom of it. I'm letting that be over here while I'm living over here. So that's over there. I'm over here. That's how I'm going to do this moving forward. And so whenever those episodes or my OCD spikes and I have, you know, those really anxious feelings, thoughts, whatever, I just choose to not engage. Literally, that's what they say, but it's a lot easier said than done. And again, that's why it's a process. You just practice using that muscle and then it gets stronger and stronger. And now I feel like I literally can go do anything. And I'm genuinely confident that I'll be able to keep myself and stay here, like stay here with myself rather than get wrapped up in all the craziness. Now my days look like, you know, I wake up sometimes if I sit in bed for too long, like you know, 15 minutes or something, I can feel my brain wanting to start ruminating about just about OCD. Honestly, I'm like, no, I don't I can't afford to do this. I'm not doing this. I can't afford it. I get up and I start moving around. It's not like I have to be busy. That's another thing is you don't have to be busy. You don't have to make yourself busy to distract yourself. I think finding a balance as best you can, obviously, you don't have to find a perfect balance. But you know, busyness, but also being able to be calm and mindful and cook and relax a little bit. And being able to just really sit with yourself. Yeah, the rest of my day just looks like a normal day. I work, I can get stuff done, I can focus now. The OCD, I feel like is there 70% of the day still kind of quieter now, but it's still like, hey, remember me? Or like, hey, you still didn't figure this out. Hey, you're going to a church event. Let's remember all the things that OCD was telling us or that, you know, we were worrying about about church and stuff. Hey, we're watching a movie. What if there's violence? And what if you get all these? I'm like, I probably will. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. I think I get scared talking about because I'm in a better place. Sometimes I get scared that I don't want anyone to feel like they're being left behind. That's like the last thing I want to do with any kinds of these episodes where I'm telling you it can get better and that I'm in a better place. I don't know. I just want people to know that it can get better, but you're still not alone, even if it doesn't feel like it's better now. Like I, I'm not ever leaving anyone behind. That doesn't feel like me. That doesn't feel good, actually. It's not a race. I just don't want people to be as miserable as I am, and they probably are, and that's okay. But it's just I got to a point where I was almost okay with suffering. And I was like, that's not okay. And something inside me is like, God was like shaking me. And he was like, don't like, don't stay here. You can be here, but try as hard as you can to not stay here too long because I deserve a better life experience. You deserve to be happier. You deserve to have a better experience in life. You will trust yourself more than you ever have after you've recovered. It will change your life in the best way once you recover. But the actual OCD, the content, the theme, the whatever it is, that won't change your life. That's always going to be like, don't have to engage. But I think just experiencing everything you experience with a chronic mental illness, you really do gain so much empathy and understanding towards others. It's never competition. It's never get here quick. 
it's more so I'm just sharing this hopefully to help you wherever you're at on your journey. So if there's one message in here that you're like, okay, that actually feel like I can apply that to me right now. And then the rest of it bugs you or, you know, whatever it is. I just don't want anyone to feel like they're alone still because I definitely still have my really bad days, but I'm just genuinely a lot better than I have been. And I'm really proud of myself and I'm really happy, but it's not just like all uphill. It's kind of like, you know, up and down, up and down. There's a couple other things that I wanted to kind of update on in terms of my OCD recovery. I feel like for a while and still now a little bit, I was attached to the suffering, like I was just saying, or the pain or OCD. I was like attached to it because I don't really know why, but it just felt like who I was for a long time. And it's always been a piece of me. And so it felt kind of weird to just like separate myself from it a little bit, give it space like create space between me and it. But that really has been, I think for me, the biggest shift in my recovery is just creating that space between me and OCD. And what that looks like is just response prevention by not engaging with it. Dang, I wish I like could better articulate how I did that, but I don't really know other than, you know, response prevention and therapy. Sometimes I would physically act like my fingers are scissors. And if I felt like there was this storyline, this belief that I had that was self-limiting that actually didn't align with what I believed in truly, or at least what I wanted to believe in, what I trusted. And if it didn't align with that, but I would be so attached to it, it was making me miserable. I would literally act like my fingers were scissors and I would cut it off of my heart. <laughs> that sounds crazy. And I would cut it off of my heart. I, For some reason, I have to do things with my hands like I'll do, I don't know, like I'll do things like pulling thoughts out of my head. I just have to do stuff with my hands sometimes in order to like really get it and to really, I don't know, like let it sit with, like to really have it sit well with me. And so I would act like when those feelings or thought patterns, I would cut it off of my, like cut it like from my head or from my heart or something I was really attached to. And that was kind of just a physical representation of what was happening in my heart and in my head of slowly just letting it go it's okay that I have been identifying with it been so close to it and feeding it but it's like I'm gonna stop feeding it as much and just allow space so I can see what grows from that to see if I turn into someone else if I'm actually not my OCD if I'm actually not all of these things that like my brain has been feeding me for years based on what other people have said or just based on whatever like random beliefs that I've come up with that seriously has changed my life and especially with my OCD recovery just being able to recognize when I'm super attached to a storyline that I don't necessarily actually believe like want to believe anymore and I just kind of slowly start to chip away at it by again cutting it off (laughs) So for me, changing my relationship with OCD and anxiety to it not being a dependency, to not depending on my OCD to be there or my anxiety to be there to feel like I'm me, but to be like, I am forever changing. Like I change every single day. My feelings change. My thoughts change. My emotions change. And I don't want to, I don't want to feel weird if I don't have OCD. I don't want to feel not me if I don't have, you know, some of these things anymore. Maybe I have them for the rest of my life, but maybe they start to subside. Either way, I don't want to be so attached to them anymore as like a part of who I am. It's a part of my life experience and it, it has been a part of me, but it's okay for 
parts of you to be let go if they're no longer actually serving you. I mean, we hear that a lot, but it's a lot easier said than done to cut off things that are no longer serving you. And I think that just comes with time. It goes back to what I said at the beginning of people get really obsessed with self-help and they go deep, they do deep dives and then they're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. Like what I did. I do think you have to go on that part of the journey though. I don't think that's, I think you have to do that. That's like a necessary step because that just brings a level of awareness. Usually it doesn't work that well because we have that awareness with a lot of shame that we put on ourselves or judgment. Really what like the, the opposite end of like, these self-discovery or self-help journeys, which is again, lifelong, but you really, it comes down to just not shaming yourself anymore and just allowing yourself to be ever-changing, ever-growing. You are worthy of love. You are just as deserving yesterday as you are today of what God has to offer you. And we are loved even now, but we, but we do need to change some things. We do need to work on ourselves. And I think to come into a place where you love yourself and you're working on yourself is really just acceptance and compassion and pushing forward and trust is like really the things that have helped me the most. Yeah, I would say I'm not as attached to my OCD at all. I think sometimes it creeps up back in, you know, and I have to be really careful not to go into another setback or just get pushed into it full throttle which I'm okay if eventually that happens you know I don't know what life has in store for me I don't know what I'll where I'll be in a couple of years I'm going to try my best the last thing it's just a phrase that for me specifically helped me with my anxiety worry OCD even depression like don't get to the bottom of it therapists might hate me for saying that and again I'm not a therapist so you know again take what I say with a grain of salt but Stop trying to, any OCD therapist would say this though, if they actually understand it. I feel like maybe I'm full scared saying that, but it's like, don't ever, you don't ever have to get to the bottom of it. Especially with OCD, I cannot stress this enough how big of a difference this was in my recovery. There's always going to be things that don't make sense. There's always going to be something that you feel like you have to get to the bottom of. Sometimes it's messier and not as clean and black and white as we want it to be. And that's okay. And I think when we can try to be just unconditionally accepting of that and even grateful and try to be optimistic in that, that's where real like trust and you know, good things come. I've just been really trying to be insanely like insanely grateful. I think it takes a long time to start to feel grateful, but to really be like, okay, I'm actually so pissed off about so many different things right now. Life feels unfair, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, okay. But even if when I feel all of these things, I'm going to choose right now to be grateful. And I'm going to choose right now to be grateful that I have, I don't know, find one or two things You can have both the anger and the gratitude, but once you really start to practice being grateful, not just saying it, but being like taking a moment to be mindful of things that you at least want to be grateful for because you know that they're good things for you. It does eventually start to, again, kind of work this muscle and then you'll, it'll be easier and you'll start to feel gratitude and you'll be able to welcome those things into your life again. All of these things I don't want if you're not already doing or you're having a hard time with, I did for the longest time and I'm, it's not a rush. Please don't ever feel rushed. It's a one day at a time thing. It's a one second at a time thing. With 
hard work and also self-compassion, you can get to the other side. Whatever that looks like for you, it looks different for everyone, I think. I promise you, like, I really do feel like I was at the lowest of the low. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how anyone could possibly feel worse. When I was at the lowest of my OCD, I genuinely was like, I don't know how anyone has ever felt ever, like, anything worse than this. Which is a very, looking back, is very rational because what there's billions of people who live now plus like a, an infinite amount of years before us and whatever I don't think I'm the only one that's ever felt this dark before or low okay I will say the last thing that on my recovery has helped me a ton and is just my faith in you know God and Jesus and his spirit and that has been such a tricky thing that I thought I would never get back is my relationship with God but like I have just personally felt him really close during my brokenheartedness, I guess, even with my divorce and that betrayal and then OCD, just it's been a really dark year, but I feel like I've never been closer to him. And sometimes I was scared to get better because I'm like, well, what if I get better? And then he's like, okay, you're fine now. Now, like, I don't know. It's just been a very uh, precious time for me, I guess. It's been a very um, tender time for me spiritually with, you know, my relationship with God, which is like the most important thing to me. I just feel like this whole journey for me and my faith has made me so much stronger and more conscious of my of and consciously choosing to have faith rather than it just be I was raised in this church and I was raised in all of these beliefs and you know they're beautiful and they were helpful but then they got toxic and bad for me because the way that I had twisted it and other people had twisted it and I feel like now gone through what I had gone had now gone through what I went through and coming out of it and I don't know I just feel like it really has deepened my understanding I guess of what other people go through and what I believe like Jesus went through for us so that I didn't have to be alone I could go on there's a million things that I have thought about um, pondered on in terms of this specific topic which you know I don't I don't really want this to be a Christian podcast but I do sometimes just feel like because it's been so helpful to me I want to share it like I can't act like it hasn't been any kind of helpfulness to me. I think you can recover from OCD without it. But for me, I feel like it's just been something that has helped to lift me out of it, at least, you know, spiritually. No, everything. It's just been something that has been helpful to me personally to lift me out of it. And it's just something that I want everyone to feel that they don't ever have to be alone. So I won't go on a whole tangent, even though I, I, I want to. I also just don't like being preachy, but I also really believe that, you know, we do have someone that loves us unconditionally. And, you know, the only way I could describe it is if I feel sometimes as if I'm 100% exposed inside out and all I feel is acceptance and love. It's kind of the only way I can explain, I think. We will not have time for a game, unfortunately, but that's kind of where I'm at with my OCD recovery. I genuinely feel like I'm in such a good place. and. I don't know. I don't, I can't foresee myself really getting sucked back into it in such a, to, to where it was before, but you never know. And so I'm just trying to be grateful where I am now and keep working hard and, you know, still staying on top of things, noticing when I'm starting to ruminate or something, but I'm not going to obsess over 
relapses or anything. I'm just going to do my best right now. Let me know what you guys think about what I said. I want to, I like hearing feedback, even if it's negative or if you think differently, I think we can still think differently, but respect each other. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to hear what you guys think about this episode. Or if you don't like these types of episodes or if you do like them, I'm curious to know. Okay, we're going to do a Dear Abby and then that's probably going to be all we have time for today. So here we go. Hey, Dear Abby, I'm struggling with a little problem. I'm 15 and my sister is 17. She's been dating this guy for about six months and I really don't like him at all. And the more I'm around him, the more I get to not like him anymore. It's (laughs) Just the more I see him, the more I don't like him. And it's, uh, it's not really not the best. And I don't like being around him at all. And he makes me instantly mad. But I love my sister so much, and I don't want to like her or relationship. So what should I do? Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, okay. Wow. Okay. That's This is a good one. This is a tricky one. Because I could see the damage of... If you bring it up to her and tell her, it might make her push you away. It might make her feel uncomfortable now bringing him to the house, which might be worse because who knows where they're going to go, if not that place. But I also know people who never told their siblings or friends the red flags that they saw in the person they were dating. And they have always regretted it because they like get married and then eventually, you know, he or she, the whatever one, the the sibling or friend doesn't like they leave or they hurt them really badly and they're like oh my gosh if only I would have said something so first thing I'll say is it's not like necessarily your responsibility nothing that's going to happen is going to be your fault okay any action done by the the boyfriend is not has nothing to do with you so she's making your own decision he's making his own decisions. He's a big boy. You know, she's a big girl. But I think the best way to approach is I don't think it's bad to necessarily say anything to her. I just want to make it all about him and make it about how toxic he is or how much you hate him. Like, I just don't really like him. You know, saying something like, I just don't really like him. Like, I think he's mean or I think he's rude. She might already think that that's funny or she might find it charming because she's seen other sides of him that are sweet and tender and, you know, emotional or whatever you don't like about him. Whatever are the opposite things that you've never seen that she probably has seen. So usually the best approach, if you do feel like I should say something, if that's important to you and you're going to regret it, I say say something, but just make sure it comes from a place. Just make sure it's approached in a way that is not against him or against her it might be a very uncomfortable conversation especially to start it but if you say hey can I like talk to you you know whenever you have time next or something I don't know if you I'm guessing you guys live together or 15 and 17 I'm guessing you both still live at home so you can say hey like when he's not around hey can I talk to you you know I don't know if you have time now or whenever you have time and she'll be like okay you can even approach it saying hey I hey I just want to talk to you about your relationship, you know, how are things going and kind of ask her, I would maybe not just straight off be like, I don't like him. I think you should break up. I think he's toxic. Because again, she's probably seen sides of him that are very sweet and tender. And you know, he could be a good guy. But he's also, you know, young. So they're usually a little bit (laughs) selfish. And, you know, 
they don't know that much yet. If you approach it just by asking her questions like, hey, how are you and so-and-so doing? And if she's like, oh my gosh, we're so good. Then you're like, okay, like awesome. Like whatever she says back, then you can maybe somehow use her response, whatever it is, in a way to kind of go into more deep conversation about her relationship and ask her, you know, do you feel like he, like when you really think about it, do you feel like he's um, someone that is willing to communicate with you, that is willing to be patient and kind with you? Does he make you feel good about yourself? Does he make you feel important? Does he like make sure that he only has eyes for you? And if you ever were to approach him about something or if you're ever to approach him about something that made you uncomfortable or angry or hurt, you know, how does he usually respond? And do you feel like that's a good response and that's what you need from someone? Um, you know, ask her one of, you know, a couple of those types of questions and see what she answers. And if she feels like, yeah, he's great, he's perfect, whatever, then you can base your, you can say your opinion if you really feel like you need to get it off your chest or something. You can always say your opinion and say, I'm glad that you think that way. Like just from what I've seen, I just assumed that maybe he didn't because he said this this day or did this thing, which, you know, made you a little uncomfortable. I could see. But, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of your relationship. So if you really feel comfortable and you feel like he's giving you what you need, you're, he's respectful, those things, then, you know, at least you said your piece. And then I'm happy for you. And I hope, you know, you guys do good I'm just saying that's just what I've seen but again I don't know him I don't know your relationship but as your little sister I'm always going to be worried about your relationships because I love you you deserve to be treated you know the best all that fun stuff that's how I'd maybe approach it um I never had to do that with Chelsea I never had to do that with my older sister so I never had to really do that with my older sister yeah, I don't know. I think looking back for me, though, I, I wish that if someone saw any red flags in my ex-husband or something, that it would have been addressed to me. I don't know how much it would have helped, but it also depends on where she's at. If she's going to be if she's maybe insecure or something in a place where she doesn't really want to listen to you, she might be defensive and annoyed with you. Or maybe she's in a place where she's like going to receive it well. So you just have to understand there might be a risk. Alrighty, well, that is the episode for today, everyone. I can't believe it's almost June already. So go out and buy, you know, a cute little swimsuit to wear this summer. Make yourself a little mocktail or cocktail. And have fun this weekend. Take yourself out. Like I always say, go take yourself out, you know. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't even have to cost money. Just go thrift shopping by yourself or something. Please, 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 please leave a rating for me in the Apple or Spotify, an Apple podcast or Spotify or on YouTube. You can always leave a comment, a rating, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Go ahead and you also, you guys, please message me if you have any ideas for the podcast. Um, if you have any ideas for episodes for my podcast, uh, certain topics or something. And I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts, opinions on things that I say. Also, don't forget to call in with your Dear Abby question because I'd love to have an endless supply of those. 
but you can still text that number. Um, it should be in the show notes below the phone number to call and leave a Dear Abby question. If you want to leave one, but you want me to change the voice, you can. I did find a way that I can change the voice. So you can just at the end or the beginning of the voicemail, I'll listen to them now moving forward. And you can say, can you please change the voice? So that way, if you want to be anonymous, it will change the voice. And I'll actually have some fun with that. So we'll see. Uh, okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love you. Bye. Oh, Time 